Welcome to Medicine for the Melanated and Misguided. You are here with your co-host, Jasmine Burns and Raven Scott. And we are so honored and excited that you decided to tune in today. So we congratulate and acknowledge you for taking this step and dedicating yourselves to become more aware of mental health care for the black community. The very fact that you press the play button demonstrates your commitment to yourself and your advancement. Although we may not know you quite well yet, we have a strong feeling that you were put on the earth for a major purpose. And our job is to guide you on your path to destiny. So we're gonna start off today's session with our monthly question. So today's question is, since our last session, what is something funny that happened to you or around you? And I'll let you go first, right? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I went to get a massage and normally when I'm getting a massage, the masseuse never touches like my scalp or my hair or anything. Well, this time I have braids and she just went right in and started massaging my scalp. And so it kind of caught me off guard because I've never had that happen before because they usually tend to not touch my hair. But I thought that was pretty funny last week. How about you, Burns? So this is something that I shared as a status on Facebook. So I'm always around my nieces, love the kids, of course. And um, week before last, I was at home visiting. I go home almost every other weekend to my parents' house. So I was spending time with my friends I haven't seen in a while, um, celebrating graduation. So I was busy all weekend. And my niece, she likes to spend time with me. All of them do like to spend their individual time with me. So she looks at me and tells me, um, at the end of the day, she tells me, you don't um, have to worry about coming to my house because you're always busy. Friday, you're gone. Saturday, the morning you leave and then you come back and then you leave again. Then Sunday morning, you leave out. And then the only time you're here is to go to work so you don't even have to worry about coming so i thought it was funny because kids they always um want some of your time but she don't understand honey it's a hot girl summer <laughs> i know that's right so very important reason why i asked that question so for some of you out there you may be thinking of Something funny that happened to you or around you and it may be difficult to um, think about because sometimes we do go through some rough patches and we go through some difficult times. But to think about something funny, even if it's just something small, it's very important to be able to laugh at some of your struggles sometimes, to look at it and laugh. So that's our goal. That's one of our goals is to look at some of our difficult situations and laugh because sometimes that's all we can do. Yes, and I agree with that. Um, it's important to, even if you're having a, a tough week or a tough month or a tough day, to try to reflect and go back and find at least one thing that you found positive and stick with that and try to move forward. Yes. So with that, we are going to go ahead and get into our topic for this month. 
So our topic for this month is going to be major depressive disorder. It is one of the most prominent conditions regarding mental health in the black community. And we are gonna talk a little bit about that. Starting off, I'll give some facts um, as far as the demographics. So overall, mental health conditions occur in the black community in America at about the same rate that white Americans experience this. However, the historical black and African-American experience in America has and continues to be characterized by trauma and violence more often than for white individuals in America. And this impacts our emotional and mental health by both young adults and adults in the African-American community. So that is pretty much saying that major depressive disorder is experienced more frequently than African-American. So what that means is that in the African-American community, major depressive disorder is experienced more frequently than our white counterparts, but we are less likely to seek help for our mental health conditions. And so that affects our help-seeking behaviors. And that's affected by mistrust of the medical system and often begins with faith-based outreach. So some data that I have here from Mental Health America shows that black people who screen positive for depression self-identify as planning to seek help at higher rates than the general population says that they will seek help. Unfortunately, black and African-American providers who are known to give more appropriate and effective care to black and African-American help seekers make up a very small portion of the behavioral health provider workforce. Because of these factors and more, black and African-American people are more likely to experience chronic and persistent rather than episodic mental health conditions. And what that means is our mental health conditions such as major depressive disorder is more often than not more debilitating than it does affect any of our other counterparts or racial demographics in the um, American population and we experience it more frequently. So instead of having one episode a year or two years, we have it every two or three months. Yes. So how do you think we've been taught to um, deal with depression or talk about depression in the community? Do you think that's something that we're taught to talk about? Not at all. Um, a lot of times in the African-American community, mental health is swept under the rug or it's not even acknowledged at all. And I have some information regarding this by Neuropsychiatric Disease and Treatment that states, African-Americans that seek psychotherapy have a stigma associated with mental health that believes that it is the equivalent to weakness and diminished pride. This notion that seeking treatment for mental health disorders is perceived and internalized within the family that states that mental illness should be resolved within the family unit or religious organizations as we would be expected to further demonstrate strength within the community because African-American people have a large sense of pride about being resilient. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with seeking help at church or whatever your higher power is 
However, that doesn't negate the fact that sometimes you need outside help by seeking help from a therapist or a mental health provider. So when you use the word stigma, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by stigma? Yes. So stigma is something that connotates how, let's say for instance, mental health is perceived by a population or an individual. And in our community, we have the tendency to wrap mental health up in a bow and call it crazy, no matter if it's anxiety, depression, um, persistent sleeping, eating disorders, anything of that nature. And it's automatically looked at as a negative or a weakness. And that's something that can prevent others from going and seeking help because of that stigma and that label. They don't want to take on the negative connotations of that and, and be perceived as weak themselves. I gotcha. And I think once we talk about some of the symptoms, we can get into a deeper discussion about why some of those symptoms are stigmatized. So we'll talk about that. But right now I want to get on to some of the different types of depression. So we're going to go deeper into the symptoms of major depressive disorder. But briefly, we want to discuss some of the different types of depression. So one of the other types of depression is persistent depressive disorder. So persistent depressive disorder, we'll talk about the depressive symptoms, but it encompasses all of the depressive symptoms of major depressive disorder, but the symptoms last for most days for a period of at least two years for adults and then one year for children and teens. So it's all of the symptoms of major depressive disorder, but instead of it lasting for a few weeks or even a month at a time or even six months at a time, because some people's depression does last that long and it's episodic in nature, Theirs lasts for a longer period of time. It can be very, like you said, debilitating. So that's persistent depressive disorder. That's one of the five types we're discussing. Okay, so the next type that we'll be discussing is bipolar disorder. And there are two different types. You can have type one or type two. Type one involves the presence of at least one manic episode. And by manic, that is exhibiting symptoms of mania, of elevated periods of mood or energy, thoughts, and other behaviors. Um, and that can, be dis that can be displayed within a daytime period or it can be over the course of a week or more. Um, so very high ups, high periods, and then experiencing extreme low periods of depression and things of that nature. Common symptoms, for type two is marked by depressive hypomanic episodes without periods of full-blown mania. So, and the hypomania there tends to display within the last few days of that hypomanic period. And important to mention in um, bipolar disorder type one is that these symptoms, like you said, are longer lasting and um, are greater as far as the mania. And we often, these are the people that we may see 
even walking down the street and you're like, these people need to be hospitalized. Sometimes the um, they're in a state of mania. If it's not um, psychosis, it's also mania. So that is something to consider um, when you see those people out there and they're full of energy, uh, elevated mood. Um, you see them with racing thoughts, talking out loud to themselves. Sometimes that is that state of mania that um, we mentioned. Also, some other common symptoms of bipolar one include grandiosity, decreased sleep, flights of ideas or racing thoughts, an inability to keep still, trouble concentrating, and these things last for a week or more. So that's bipolar disorder. The next type of depression important to mention for a lot of mothers very important that we know about this in our community because i've known people that have experienced it and they have been afraid to talk about it but it's important that we do so postpartum depression those symptoms very similar to major depressive disorder they usually develop within the first few weeks after giving birth um, some may begin even before birth is given during the last few um, months of pregnancy or some even may begin a year or so after birth. But these can include, along with those common depressive symptoms, difficulty bonding with your baby, withdrawing from family and friends, and Fear that you're not a good mother. No matter what you're doing, no matter how good of a mother you are, that fear can still be there if you're dealing with postpartum depression. So it's important, like with all of these other ones, that you seek help. Right. Um, so we're going to move right along into the next disorder, and that is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So yes, ladies, if you have been experiencing symptoms during your premenstrual cycle that you may feel are not supposed to be happening to you or are a little more frequent or debilitating than others or your other women counterparts you may be suffering from premenstrual dysphoric disorder so it occurs during the premenstrual phase of the menstrual cycle it's similar to premenstrual syndrome pms but it's much more severe and symptoms can lead to extreme mood changes that can disrupt daily life and functioning. And so you can seek help for that and you can begin to work through your premenstrual dysphoric disorder with a mental health doctor or someone that can prescribe you medication such as a psychiatrist. Yes. So our next type of depression is seasonal affective disorder. So these symptoms, similar to those again of major depressive disorder, but they occur at the same time each year. For most people, these depressive symptoms usually occur during the winter and the fall, but they can occur during the other seasons of the year. But usually they occur during the winter and fall because it gets darker earlier and it stays um, darker as well. And then the um, temperature outside, a lot of people don't interact or have many functions during those cold months. So it can be a problem for many people that seasonal affective disorder is something that they deal with right so 
what we're going to do now is just jump right into an overall explanation of depression and we are getting these <clears throat> criteria from the DSM-5. So depression can be diagnosed by having five or more of the symptoms that I'm about to talk about within a two week period, okay? So depression can be recognized by depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, or markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all of activities most of the day or nearly every day. So that from things that you used to enjoy or individuals or people that you used to hang out with, significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain or decrease or increase in appetite nearly every day, a slowing down of thoughts and a reduction of physical movement observable by others, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day, diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness nearly every day, recurring thoughts of death, recurrent suicidal ideations without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a specific plan for committing suicide, to receive a diagnosis for depression, these symptoms must cause individual clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. The symptoms must also not be a result of substance use or another medical condition. So before we move on, I would just like to discuss this briefly that Depression symptoms or the criteria to meet to be diagnosed with, the, with depression is not linear throughout the population. And so what I mean by that is I could be suffering de from depression and Burns could also be suffering from depression and our symptoms could be different. So I could be suffering from lack of appetite, frequent sleeping or sleeping most of the day away, withdrawing from friends and family. And Burns could also be suffering from depression and hers could present as rapid weight gain, frequent sleeping, um, anxiety. She could present by having <clears throat> rapid thoughts that she can't control. She could also suffer from nightmares that impact her day and her ability to function. So depression and the symptoms present in different individuals differently. Right. And it's very important that we mention, like you said, not all depressive symptoms look the same in everyone. So in our community, in the black community, depression is sometimes seen as, I'm going to honestly say it, laziness. Some people, they'll see you not coming out the house, not doing your chores, not cleaning, not spending time with your friends and family member, and they'll think this person is just completely lazy. They're not getting out of the bed, they're not washing their hair, they're just nasty. When in actuality, it could be um, those depressive symptoms. So very mindful of that in our community it's important that we are mindful of that and instead of um calling our family and friends lazy or even ourselves um lazy let's think about maybe it is something going on with their mental health have you seen anything or heard anything like that raven yes absolutely so in the african-american community we 
tend to be quick to call someone weak or like you said lazy or talk about how they don't want to be around anyone anymore or they've changed but we negate the opportunity to look a little bit further and to ascertain what is really going on behind closed doors. Could your friend, family member, coworker, or someone of your loved one be going through something that they may not be feeling comfortable enough to share with you? Because sometimes people in the black community even seek help, but they neglect to disclose that they're seeking help for the fact that they don't want to be seen as weak um, or they don't want to be put on medication. So absolutely, I can see that because oftentimes depression can cause you to not be able to get out of the bed, not be able to take a bath, brush your teeth, not be able to comb your hair, put on deodorant, take care of yourself as someone who is not suffering from these symptoms are. Yes. So it's important that um, you give some thought to those symptoms before you judge your family members and friends or even yourself because a lot of times we are hard on ourselves. So we're going to talk about some of the common causes of depression. And these are general um, causes of depression, but we'll talk about um, some that may be specific to our community as well. So for some of the common causes of depression, one of them has to do with biology. And when I say common causes, um, these are different causes for different individuals and not everyone's cause is the same. So I could be experiencing depression and it's linked to my biology. And then Raven could be experiencing depression and it's linked to a health condition. So we'll talk about those. And like I said, the first one is biology. So some people's depression is linked to problems or imbalances in their brain. So it's something that they can't control, something that, um, people around them can't control because it's linked to so yes depression can be linked to problems or imbalances in the brain so specifically the brain we're talking about our neurotransmitters so again long time since I've been in a biology class and I know most of you as well but our neurotransmitters are our brain's chemical messengers. They send the messages to our brain about what to do. So the ones for um, con connected to depression are serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. So serotonin, it is involved in controlling many important bodily functions. So that includes sleep. We talked about some of the symptoms and sleep. Um, disturbance in our sleep was one of them. Aggression. So you may see people that are angry and actually that anger is linked to the depression. Overeating, we talked about that. That's linked to serotonin. Um, sexual behavior. You might see some people that are depressed um, no longer want to have as much sex as they wanted to before. So that's linked to serotonin. And the next one, norepinephrine, it helps our body to recognize and respond to stressful situations. So you may see that someone who is depressed, they're like, I just can't deal with anything. They don't want to talk to nobody. They don't want to um, interact with anybody because 
they're not built and capable at that point to deal with those stressful situations so they just avoid it so that's that norepinephrine and then dopamine it plays an important role in controlling our drive to seek out rewards as well as our ability to obtain a sense of pleasure so they no longer experience that pleasure in those same um, activities one of the symptoms again so that's one link is to biology one cause of depression so that may be someone's cause maybe not yours or your friends but someone's another one is genetic a little different from biology so genetics that is connected to our parents so there is not one singular defective gene like with some disorders it's usually a combination of genes that creates um, depression so if our first degree relative that's our siblings and our parents and our children our first degree relatives have depression we are three times more likely to have depression as well so that's the genetics cause we've got biology we've got genetics and then that's gender so women are twice as likely as men to experience depression and the likely cause of that is due to hormonal changes we talked about pms and then as we get older we experience menopause as we get older so that is um one of or can be one of the causes of depression so another common cause of depression is age so as we get 65 and older those golden years we are at a higher risk for depression and a lot of people think that depression is something that may be normal for an older age but it's actually not for an older age depression is likely linked to living alone or having that lack of support it's not something that automatically comes with being older it's likely due to our um, social environment so that's age we've got biology genetics gender age and another one is health conditions so individuals with chronic conditions especially those with no cure like cancers different heart diseases stroke um, thyroid problems and especially chronic pain are more likely to have depression so health conditions very important that individuals with chronic health conditions seek um, treatment for mental health conditions another cause trauma and grief so here's some examples of different tra traumatic situations that um here's some examples of traumatic situations that are linked to increased depression so things such as being in a serious accident being physically assaulted being involved in war so our veterans and our uh, military service members it's very important that um, we are tested for mental health conditions so being involved in a natural disaster we know that here in alabama 
our most common natural disaster um, that we deal with a lot around the area that I live in is tornadoes. So being sexually assaulted or abused is another example of a traumatic event. So important to mention again, traumatic events. When I say that, these don't have to happen specifically to you. These traumatic events can happen to you. You can witness these traumatic events happen to someone else, or you can constantly hear someone talk about these traumatic events. So our lawyers, our police officers, these include you as well. You got something, Raven? Yes, um, I just wanted to say something about that secondhand trauma that we can experience. Um, also, trauma is pers perceptive, okay? So what that means is if I have a car crash and I perceive that as something that is traumatic for me, that does not mean that it has to be something that you consider traumatic. And so in the African-American community, we have the tendency to say, oh, that's nothing. That ain't nothing. I went through that myself and that didn't affect me. But trauma is perceptive. So always try to respect someone else's perception of their trauma because it might not affect you the same way that it affects someone else. Yes, I am so glad you said that because grief falls up under this category too. And a lot of people, I remember um, being younger and having other people when my mother passed away, say, oh, you're so strong, you haven't even cried or anything like that. And for that, that is something that happens a lot in our community. Um, we don't grieve out loud and in front of other people. So, so we are um, more likely to say those that do are weak because they do, and those that don't are stronger, but that's not the case. Um, those people that aren't grieving in front of you may be holding it in, which creates that um, struggle. It really does. And um, for a lot of people, that makes the symptoms worse. So another cause, we got two more. Another cause, um, common cause of depression can be changes and stressful events. So again, these are different for everybody. What may be stressful to me may not really even matter to you. So some examples of common stress, um, moving, especially if you're moving far away. If you're moving to a whole nother city, a whole nother state, you don't have any support there, or you're moving, the reason why you're moving, because of a breakup, a divorce, that can be a stressful event. So that can cause depression. Another example, caring for a sick relative. Sadly, a lot of times it's something that most of us will have to do um, while we're here on this earth. And something that we all have to think about I tell my consumers, my clients all the time, we can't take care of anybody else if we aren't taken care of. 
So we have to make sure we're taken care of before we're able to take care of someone else. So think about that. And our last cause of depression or possible cause of depression, um, medications and substances. We all know that medications have side effects. One of the most common side effects to any medication is a change in mood. And for a lot of them, the change in mood is depression. So especially for some of our central nervous system depressants, these will cause depression. So some examples, we got alcohol, some opiates, barbiturates, some benzos, some antihistamines, all of those can cause depression because what happens to your central nervous system and what makes them work is that they slow down your brain activity. It makes them useful for treating things like anxiety, panic disorder, some acute stress reactions and sleep disorders, but they can increase your depression. Um, important to mention in our community, um, alcohol, because I'm not gonna just glaze over that one. It can be, for some people, um, not only cause depression, but some people have used it as a treatment for depression. What do you think about that, Raven? I think it's important to recognize here that using any substance as a coping mechanism can only worsen your issue or whatever you're dealing with. So once you come down from whatever high that you have, from whatever mind-altering substance you may have been using or drinking, <clears throat> whenever you sober up, the issue that was there before that you may have been trying to numb or avoid will always be there afterwards. Um, and I do want to just backtrack really quickly to, to speak to some things that represent the African-American community in depression as far as risk factors go. In addition to the things that you notated, mm -hmm. um, there's also some key risk factors including ethnicity and gender, which you spoke about, and also things in the black community such as lower yearly income, yeah. socioeconomic positioning, poverty status, and employment are all recognized as key risk factors in the African-American community that may cause or lead to depression. Also, I think it's important to speak about um, how depression can be hereditary. Um, and what that means is we spoke about the genetic possibilities, but it's also hered hereditary because when you, when you think about a baby, they don't know how to speak or talk yet. So what are they doing? Observing. They're watching mom. They're watching dad. They're watching whoever they are around majority of the time. And if mom or dad are in a constant state of depression or they're sad and they're weeping or crying or they don't show symptoms of happiness or excitement, that baby learns to pick up those traits as well and then they begin to display the same um, moods. And so it becomes internalized and that is how depression can be hereditary. Do you have anything you would like to add about that? No, you are absolutely correct. Um, many of our behaviors in our community are indeed hereditary and they're learned behaviors, um, many of them. So in learning to treat depression, 
We have to be willing to pass on those things that we learn to our future generations. So we'll talk about um, treatment for depression and how to better handle it. And our goal for you is that you pass on to our future generations a much healthier way to deal with our problems and especially depression because we want to see a change in our community. So we'll talk about treatments and we'll go more in depth about some specific treatments, but we'll talk about first one that a lot of people do not want to discuss because they feel that this form of treatment, if they have to do it, like we said earlier, they're crazy, but you're not. The first form of treatment that we'll discuss are medications. So I saw a post um, not too long ago that was shared that said before you try medication for depression, try these things. And it lists a whole bunch of different coping strategies for depression. But we'll talk about those coping strategies, but I want to say that sometimes those coping strategies aren't enough. Most of the time we have to treat depression with a combination of things, and that is common almost with any disorder, that not there is no one magic pill almost for any disorder. So depression is the same. Sometimes, especially when we talked about biology being one of the causes of depression, if your depression is linked to biology, you are most likely going to need that medication. So common medications used to treat depression called antidepressants. The first group called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So we talked about serotonin and the fact that it helps with um, sleeping, aggression, eating, sexual behavior, and mood. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, some common ones are Selexa, Prozac, and Zoloft. So those work by preventing your blood from absorbing some of that serotonin from your brain. So this leaves a higher level of serotonin in the brain and increases serotonin can help to relieve depression. So the other group of medications are serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. So again, those norepinephrine, they help your body to recognize and respond to the um, stressful situations. So just like the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, they block that absorption, that reabsorption of the neurotransmitters. So some precautions I can say with taking medications is, again, with other conditions, it may take 
several tries to find out which medication works for you. So I know a lot of us, we like to have one thing and it works and just like we do with diets, we want it to work the first time. We can't do that with our medication. We have to give it several tries. If one doesn't work, try another. Because it may be that third one that works for you. And when you take the medications, it usually takes them weeks and on average a month to actually work. And that's taking it every day, not once a week, for them to work. And for some people, it's necessary for you to be on the medication for a lifetime for other people it can be a temporary situation it all depends on you and your doctor and it's best to discuss it with them about the progress of your symptoms while you are taking the medication what are your thoughts raven so in taking medication it's important like burns said to give it time to get into your bloodstream because with these SSRIs or these SNRIs, it does take about 30 days before it can begin to correct any chemical imbalances that you may have in your brain. Also, I know I spoke about advocating for yourself when you attend a doctor's appointment during our last podcast. And it's important to, to speak for yourself if you are prescribed a medication to treat your <clears throat> excuse me, depression and it's not working for you, or it does also have the potential to worsen your symptoms. So if you're already experiencing a decrease in libido, you might also notice that it's beginning to get worse, or you might be able to, you might be sleeping more often than you were, or anything that you have experienced in, it might enhance those symptoms. So you might need to go and try to get another prescription. So you have to advocate for yourself and say, hey, you gave me this prescription of Prozac last week, and I'm noticing a week later that I'm feeling much worse than I was, so I need to try something else. Um, also, I think it's important to have a combination of medication and therapy. That is the best combination that we know of today, taking medication as well as talk therapy. And so I'll go into how therapy can be of assistance when treating depression. The most common type of therapy when treating depression is cognitive behavioral therapy and interpersonal therapy um, and those treat the symptoms that you might be experiencing and how to change your behaviors so some things that you could do in therapy and how it assist, assists you in changing is by adjusting to a crisis or other current difficulties it assists in identifying negative beliefs and behaviors and replaces them with healthy or positive ones I can speak to that one because when I practice my therapy, I use rational mode of behavior therapy. And so what that is, is identifying irrational thoughts or beliefs and replacing those with rational ones. Um, it takes a process, so it's a long time, but it's not impossible to dispute any cognitive distortions that you may be experiencing. Also, therapy can assist you in exploring relationships and experiences and develop positive interactions with others. It can assist you in finding better ways to cope and solve problems because a lot of times in the in the black community we have this mindset that we have to do it on our own or get it out the mud because 
that makes you seem like a stronger individual or you can do it by yourself you don't need anyone else but how many of our counterparts in america are getting assistance from someone else the black community should not have to go through these things by ourselves you have anything you want to add about that no i'm just thinking um you are correct so talking about stigma just in general in our community it's joked about but some people are really serious when they talk about things like oh she's on um food stamps or she's getting housing assistance and things like that again stigma but like you said it's not um a healthy thing that we get it out of mud or things like that so we have to be mindful of the things that we say toward each other. We have to be mindful of the views that we take because some of the words that we speak, some of the negative energy that we um, protest to others, it can really affect how they feel, not just about themselves, but in general, it can affect how they feel and how they move and what decisions they make. And some people think, I can say whatever, I can do whatever, and you're strong enough to not uh, make judgments off of what other people say or what other people do, but not everybody is like that. So we gotta be um, very mindful of the things that we let come out of our mouth. Absolutely, I completely agree with you because I've experienced in my time in therapy, some people in the black community just, like you said, jokingly say, oh girl, I'm depressed, don't worry about it, or oh, I just got anxiety. So what that does is it diminishes what someone who's actually going through depression or anxiety or any other mental health condition and makes them feel like, oh, it's just a joking matter and I'm not gonna be taken seriously or it's not something that I need to bring up. And so that makes us more likely to conceal that we are going through therapy or we are on medication. So just to continue on, um, therapy, psychotherapy can assist you in identifying issues that contribute to, to your depression and help you change behaviors that may be making it worse. Um, it can also help you regain a sense of satisfaction and control in your life and help ease depressive symptoms such as hopelessness and anger. It can assist you in learning to set realistic goals for your life. And it can also develop, help you develop the ability to tolerate and accept distress using healthier behaviors. And so the last thing that I want to notate about this is in the, in the black community, how often do you hear someone saying, oh girl, I just left my therapy session. Or yeah, I got to go talk to my therapist about this. I'm not sure what to do about moving forward. Or, oh, I forgot to take my medication. So... In order to enhance and make the community more aware about mental health in the black community, we have to talk about it. And so when someone confides in you or brings up, oh, I have a therapy session today, try to react in a more positive way. Like, oh, okay, that's good for you. Where are you going? Maybe I can go to that same therapist. Or are you having trouble with anything? And it's more, it'll help that person be more likely to share that they might be going through something. Also, I want to notate that while we are discussing depression and mental health conditions, therapy is not just for people that have a diagnosis of depression, anxiety, um, eating disorder, Alzheimer's, anything like that. Therapy is great for self-awareness, 
becoming more aware of decisions that you have to make in the future, becoming more insightful of something that you have going on, helping you make a decision. It's not for someone that is that has diagnoses. You can go to therapy for anything that you want to get assistance with. You don't have to have a mental health condition to attend a therapist or see a therapy, see, see a therapist. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, as a rehabilitation counselor, my main job, different from my past positions, I help individuals with all kinds of disabilities, physical. I help them as far as counseling when it comes to the work environment. So dealing with conflicts at work, dealing with um, finding jobs, resumes, all of that kind of stuff. So it's not just like you said, for individuals with mental health disorders, it's for someone who needs, I would say, just direction in life in general. And if you don't need direction in life, I would say you're not being honest with yourself. So um, while you were talking, I just thought of something. Um, when you said for people to um, really think about how they are framing things when they um, talk to someone who has depression or someone opens up about going to a therapist. So if no one in your family, if none of your friends have ever come and talked to you about having depression or any of the symptoms of depression, I would challenge you to think and ask yourself, what kind of friend am I? that my friends don't trust me enough to come to me and talk about the symptoms that they're having. What kind of friend am I that my friends are afraid that I may judge them? So really take a look at yourself because maybe, again, you may be a part of that um, population that is stigmatizing mental health. So just an examination, a self-examination is important for all of us to do. So take a look at yourself. And I just want to go back and say, <clears throat> we've been talking about a lot of the tendencies in the African-American community. And I wanna leave it off on a positive note before we move on to the next topic. And I have an article here from Neuropsychiatric Disease and Treatment. It's called Racial and Ethnic Differences in Depression and Current Perspectives. And it states that African-Americans with depression have a tendency to maintain positive attitudes in the face of adversity and foster hope. So while we do have the tendency to want to go through things on our own, there's always a way to enhance that and become better because we do have a resilient community and we like to be able to say that we did things on our own. That is a great trait to have, but it's also a way that we can improve that and become even better by seeking help to, to maintain our mental health. Yes. So earlier I mentioned the post that was discussing some of the, um, what I like to call coping strategies, not really treatment, but some coping strategies to help deal with depression. And Raven, you can put in at any time during, during these um, lists of coping strategies and talk about how you've used them just in life in general and how it has helped you deal with some stress. Because I know a lot of these on this list I use pretty often, almost daily, 
to deal with stress, work stress, life stress, all of them. So the first one on the list is take a shower. So not a bath. We're talking about getting a shower where you get some steam and you're feeling relaxed. Get that hot shower going and not sitting down, making sure you're standing up. So that's the first one. Our second one was to get up and put on some clean, comfortable clothes. Because that's one of the things with depression, like we mentioned earlier, you don't feel like getting out of the bed. Sometimes some people don't even shower. Some people don't um, put on new clothes for the day. But even when you're feeling bad, putting on some new clean clothes, you cannot be going anywhere. Even if it's just to sit up and watch TV or go sit out on the porch, that's very helpful when it comes to depression. So another um, coping strategy that they mention is to get up and clean something. So when we're depressed, again, we're sitting down and cleaning is not on the top of our list, but doing a load of laundry can actually make you feel better. I know we hate laundry, a lot of us. And if you're like me, you wash clothes and then you fold them maybe three days later. But that's important that we get up and have some type of activity. Another coping strategy is to blast music. And that's my favorite. I have a long list of different type of playlists that come with my mood and my friends will tell you that I am ready to listen to 90s R&B, whatever mood I am in. Uh, but blasting music is something that can get you out of that mood. Um, it'll take you there. Music will take you wherever the musician was at that time. So get up, sing, dance, all of it. It's better for you. Another coping strategy is to cook. And I know a lot of these on here sound like some of your chores, but cooking is very important. We have to eat. And cooking allows time for creativity. So that creativity gets our brain juices flowing and we feel better once we're creative. So that's one of them. Another is going outside. And I spoke briefly about seasonal affective disorder earlier. This is one that is great in the spring and summertime when that sun is out, those flowers are blooming. If you garden, this can be something for you. So going outside. Another coping strategy is to call someone so a lot of times when we're depressed we don't hang around those family and friends as much as we used to but it's important that we call 
someone that we talk to someone family a friend none of them answer just go in the store and do like those extra happy people that I be seeing in the store talk to some random folks and you'll be surprised the people you come in contact with when you talk to those random people sometimes that's all you need somebody to say one inspiring thing and it makes you feel better for the rest of the day so talk to someone get out there and talk to some random folks and the last one is if you have a pig to cuddle your pig so those are just some coping strategies that can be useful for individuals with depression okay so we're going to go ahead and move into some of the takeaways and homework for this session we want you guys to be proactive and each week until the next session choose an activity from one of the categories that I'm about to go over to complete. I would like to also refer to Mental Health America before I go into this list and share that in 2018, 58% of black and African-American young adults ages 18 to 25 and 50% of adults ages 26 to 49 with serious mental illnesses did not receive treatment. So until we are ready to start going and seeking treatment from our therapist or our mental health provider, we can start doing some of these things on our own <clears throat> to assist us with coping with depression and any other mental health conditions that we may be having. Okay, so the first thing on the list is to exercise. So that helps get some of those endorphins going. Um, Burns spoke about biology and our neurotransmitters. Exercise helps release some endorphins that can allow us to increase our happiness, our libido, um, our mood. So you can go for a walk, you can go for a bike ride, you can go to the gym and lift some weights, you can follow an exercise video, swim, or practice yoga. So I'm gonna challenge both of us to pick something out of each of these categories to do over the next month. So that's our challenge. So Raven, what are you thinking out of the exercise category? I think I'm for sure gonna go for a walk. I have a dog, so I enjoy going on walks after I get off work and getting that last little bit of sunshine before it, it darkens and it goes to nighttime. So I think I'll enjoy doing that. How about you? The same. So I usually go for a walk, honestly one to two times a week it's supposed to be three solidly but so far this week i've been one and i'm going tomorrow so that'll be two but i enjoy walking during my time i usually go by myself i don't have any pets or um since i've moved um anybody that really lives close by that wants to go exercising so friends that live here in gaston if you hear me um I am open. Yes, get up and get active. So the next thing is going to be socialize. Call or text a friends, organize a group dinner, visit family, join a club or a group. I know Burns and I are also in a book club. We enjoy reading and that assists us in keeping that mind active and keeping our minds off of maybe some other things that could be going on. So finding something that you enjoy to do with a group of friends or another individual 
Um, <clears throat> I know during depression, it's so easy for us to withdraw from society, withdraw from friends, withdraw from family, and just want to be by ourselves and isolate ourselves. But that can only go on to worsen or increase whatever symptoms you may be experiencing. So it's important to get out and get active and socialize with anyone that you call a friend or a loved one. So which one are you planning on doing? You know I love a little group dinner. We always <laughs> go get us some margaritas and some tacos. So that is something that I plan on doing. Yes, I'm glad you said that because that was on my list. My friends know, sadly, I'm not the person. If you're dependent on me to call or text you, that ain't me. <laughs> but I am great at organizing events. So I'm great to call a girl's night out or we can go get something for brunch. I'm open to it and I got plans to do that this coming up weekend. Right. So the next one, as strange as it may sound, is doing some of your responsibilities. And that includes cleaning, housework, paying bills, professional development, homework. And so why we mention that is because we tend to take on whatever mood of the environment that we're in. So if you're coming home to, you know, a messy or unorganized house, you got clothes laying all over the place, it doesn't smell that good. You got dishes everywhere. You're more susceptible to just isolating yourself again and not feeling up to socializing, exercising. You don't want to do anything. So just take it one thing at a time. Just go in there and knock those dishes out or vacuum, sweep up, try making your bed or lighting some candles and then going out and coming back home and see how good you feel to come back home to maybe like a clean house or getting some homework done or having some bills paid. That way you don't have to worry about it last minute. Next, I'm going to go into hobbies. Okay, so in order to cope, you can find something that you can do as a hobby, like playing a sport or gardening, as Burns mentioned earlier, drawing, painting, playing music, hiking, playing with a pet, or cooking. So those are some things that we can come up with in your Feel free to come up with something of your own that if you find that you like to do as a hobby, that can also be something that you can use to manage whatever mental health condition that you might be going through. Right. And don't think that you skipped over um, responsibilities. So out of that list, what are you going to focus on as far as responsibilities? Um... I think that I will focus on just some everyday housework. It's so easy for me to get in a routine to go to work and come home and then I'll go for my walk and by the time that's over, I'm just mentally drained from seeing clients all day. And so I don't really wanna do anything besides take a shower and get in the bed and I save my housework for the weekend. But now that we're doing this challenge, I think what I'll start doing is just going home and tidying up a little bit and trying to make my environment as pleasant as possible instead of waiting until the weekend. Yeah, I can say I have that same exact problem. The week, I'm tired, I am. Um, but like you said, have coming home to that clean house does make a difference in your mood. 
So that's gonna be one of my focuses. Until I can afford, when I'm making six figures, until I can afford to hire me a housekeeper, (laughs) I guess I gotta clean it up myself. I know, that's right. As far as hobbies, what's on your list of hobbies to do in the next month? Well, I love playing music. I listen to music at work, in the car, on my way home, on my way to work, when I get home, in the shower. Music is something that I, like you said earlier, I correlate to my mood. So I might listen to rap one day on my way to work. I have the tendency of listening to gospel music because God knows I be needing him on my way to work. He be getting you there. I know that's right. I listen to R&B. I really love music. So that's something that I enjoy doing to help keep my mood in a good place. What about you? I would say music, but that's something that I always do. So I'm going to try something different. Well, not different because it's something that I used to do. But someone, babe, has um, pointed out that I haven't been cooking as much as I used to. And I enjoy cooking. I enjoy trying new recipes, new meals. So that's something that I need to get back into. So, I'm going to focus on cooking. Okay, you have to let us know if they enjoy that challenge that he you're will. trying to. <laughs> um, okay, so the last thing on the list is going to include personal care. And this is something that I speak with my clients about frequently because oftentimes you have a family, you have nieces and nephews, you have your own children, your mom, your dad, co-workers. You have assignments that you may have to do for work or for school, but what are you doing for yourself? Because you cannot pour from an empty cup, right? So it's important to take care of yourself. Go up, get up and get dressed. Take that hot shower, as Burns mentioned. Dress up, put on a nice outfit. Go get you a haircut. Um, Prepare a healthy meal. Or try to get closer to your higher power or whatever spiritual needs that you may have. Meditate. Pray, read your Bible, listen to some gospel music, but it's important to do some form of self-care to take care of yourself. You have to make time for yourself. What do you plan on doing with that one, Birds? With that one, I got to get back to God. I'm there, but I need to be there some more. Mm -hmm. So I need to get back to my daily routine of praying and my devotion I get out of habit, and that was a challenge that my pastor gave us um, from our college Bible study, and that's something I didn't meet the challenge, so I'm just going to challenge myself to do it again, my daily devotion. I'm going to get there. I promise I am, Pastor Johnson. Okay. (laughs) I think for this one, I may focus on um, dressing up. I am such a lounger. I like t-shirts, I like shorts and sweatpants and slides. That's how I've been my entire life. But I think I might try to focus on dressing up a little bit, you know, putting on a little makeup every now and then, putting some lip gloss on and going out because that can that can help boost your self-esteem, making yourself look good, making yourself feel good without having to rely on someone else to tell you that. So I think that's what I'll do. Yeah, and I can attest to that. Even on the worst days, getting dressed up, putting on a little eyelash, it really helps. It really does help with feeling better. Mm -hmm. And 
When you leave out the house, you don't care what nobody else got to say because you're going to feel good once you look in that mirror. Right. So, as we come to an end, very important um, that we do is to recommend a local black therapist. And again, we are open to accepting your recommendations, but our next um, therapist was recommended by a few people on Facebook. So I saw this therapist that a lot of people have um, recommended and she's been recommended by a ton of different people on um, social media. So located in the Birmingham area with CR Counseling, we have Charlize, or she goes by Charlie Bishop. And she is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in treating stress, anxiety, relationship issues, eating disorder, self-esteem, helping those with career difficulties, and treating depression as well. So Charlize, again, she's located in the Birmingham area and can be contacted at 205 644-8796 and also at her website at crcounselingllc.com and you can find her on social media as well. I know I saw a link to her Facebook page. So look up CR Counseling if you are in the Birmingham area. She comes highly recommended. All right, yes, so it is very important to recommend a local black therapist. If you are going and looking for yourself to find someone that you would like to begin seeing, seeking treatment with, you can look at their credentials and try to find someone that has maybe an MS or an MA behind their name. Um, look for their license. They can be an ALPC or an LPC. Um, they can be an LMFT and things like that so if you're looking for someone and you find someone you're not really sure of if you would like to see them or if they come recommended feel free to dm us any questions about them and we'll be able to respond and burns what's that social media tag at melanated and misguided and we will be available to answer any questions or um if we don't have the information, we'll direct you to someone who can answer those questions. That's um, the good thing. So you have any takeaways from our session? Because I know that we talked about a lot. A lot, a lot. Yes. Um, so something that I thought about while we were discussing these things is if you are listening and you happen to feel triggered, about some of the things that we discussed during the recording of the podcast, it's important to recognize that, maybe an increased heart rate or rapid thoughts or thinking about some experiences that you may not want to think about that are unpleasant for you. You can try to cope with that by journaling or writing it down and trying to figure out what's causing it and why you're feeling that way. But if you are feeling triggered, feel free to DM us and see if we can assist you with further understanding what's going on and possibly directing you to a therapist of your own. Yes, thank you. 
So a little wrap up about all the things that we discussed. So we discussed the five major types of depression, the five other types of depression aside from uh, major depressive disorder. We went over that. We talked about the symptoms of major depressive disorder. We talked about some of the common causes of depression. And then we talked about some treatments, including medication and therapy, and then some coping strategies. And then we gave you your homework. So we want to thank each and every one of you, especially if you've come this far, as far as listening, because it's been a while. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you so much. I want you to go out and share all of the knowledge that you have just gathered. Share it with at least one other person because we know how life works. We hear information and we share it with one person. They're guaranteed to share it with another person. So share all that you have heard today. Yes. Um, and reach out to us and let us know if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if anything that you would like to specifically have us discuss on our next podcast next week. I'm sorry, not next week. Next month, look out for us to be discussing symptoms and the criteria of anxiety. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're signing off. Yes, thank you guys for coming and listening to us. Um, We will see you guys next month. See you next month.